Hey, thanks for checking out the Reveal Vineyard podcast. Here at Reveal, our mission is simple. Find God, find others, and find yourself. For more information, visit us online at revealvineyard.com. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll jump into the service. Lord, we thank you so much for today, God. I pray that... um, as our bodies' temperatures try to cool down from all that heat, uh, that you would help us just to just clear the distractions from our minds and just focus on what you want to say to us this morning. God, I pray that as we uh, give our offerings on the way out this, this afternoon or this morning, that you would just bless uh, what is given, Lord, that you would give us the wisdom to use that money in a way that honors you, but also expands your kingdom here in the Surprise area, in El Mirage area. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so for those of you who weren't here last week, we started a new series called Starting Over, and the subtitle of that series was How to Ensure Next Time Won't Be Like Last Time. And so what we talked about is this idea that many of us have started over in life, so whether we're starting over in a job or starting over academically or we're starting over financially, and you know, maybe you're starting over in a relationship or you know, you're starting over in, in, in your marriage even or in, in a second marriage, you know, the first marriage is in the rearview mirror and you're starting over in the second marriage, we talked that we tend to see that there's this pattern of life where people can just keep repeating the same mistakes over and over again. And what we discovered last week is that we learn from our mistakes in the areas that matter the least, right? Like it only took you one time to like I am like every contact you had before you realize, ooh, I don't want to do that again. Or text message everybody in your contacts, you know, hey, enjoyed last night, you know, your mom is like, what are you talking about, you know? We only had to do that once before we went, yeah, I'll never do that again. You know, or a game or a sport, you know. So something that you enjoyed, you learn really, really quick when it comes to the mistakes that you make. But we repeat our mistakes in the areas that matter most. So again, so with our finances, our, our relationships, our parenting, you know, our, our leadership or academically. And so we all step back and we ask the question, why? You know, what am I going to learn? And we said that the reason why we don't learn is because we tend to buy into these three myths, and so I'm just going to quickly go through them, just kind of keep, you know, all the users played hooky last week. We'll get, get you kind of get you covered this morning. So, so the first uh, myth was the experience myth. And the experience myth says experience makes me wiser. But we said that the truth was is experience just makes you what? Older. Thank you, Mom. All right. Um, experience just makes you older, right? That the truth is that evaluated experience makes you wiser. We said the second myth was the no better myth. That since I know better, I'll do better. And we all realize that, look, everyone has enough life experience to know that that's just not true, right? How many times have you done something and you thought, I should have known better? Or parents, how many times have you said to your kids, like, you know better, right? And kids, you probably hear that on a daily basis. But the point is, is we all know that knowing better does not equal doing better. And then the third myth that we talked about, and this was the big one, was the time myth. And this is really the one that traps us the most. And that this is idea that time is against me. You know, i got to get in there. I'm not getting any younger. You know, opportunities are passing me by. You know, all my friends are, you know, every, people my age are already doing this. And so, therefore, I've got to get in there and do this as well. But what we learned last week was that time is our friend. And so we asked people, look, if you're starting over in something, just hit pause button. We're not saying don't do it. We're just saying hit pause so that we can work through some serious things here that are going to help us set ourselves up for success in the future, especially you serial daters, right? You know, you just go from one relationship to the other, and I'm not talking about breakfast, you know, and you think, oh, why this relationship keeps ending. I keep finding myself in the same situation. What's wrong with all these people? 
maybe it's you. Because the common denominator in most of our failures, in most of our you know, trauma and drama and the things that we keep failing in, is us. We're always right in the middle of it. We're always following ourselves wherever we go. Whatever we jump into, there we are right with us. And so the reason we decided to do this series is because as pastors, we get a ringside seat into a lot of people's lives. And so we have our own life experience, and then we get to learn from a lot of other people, some good, some bad. And so when we sit down with people and we try to counsel them in, in issues of life, we're kind of taking this collective body of knowledge. Because we're really not that smart. We just see a lot of other people screw up and we learn from their mistakes. And so we take this collective body of knowledge and we say, look, I've known a lot of people going down that path. And they all ended up doing the same thing. And that's the path you're going down. And so we're, we're trying to, to kind of rally the troops and say, look, here are some common things that keep happening in our culture, in our lives. And we want to stop the madness. Because pain has, I mean, life has enough pain of its own, and we want to avoid the unnecessary pain. You're going to get plenty of pain. I promise you, you're going to get plenty of pain, okay? So don't worry about it. Let's avoid the unnecessary pain in life. And so we said that there are three things, and we didn't talk about them yet, so today we're going to talk about there are three things that you must do to ensure that next time is better than last time. Now, we're going to talk about these things over the next three weeks, including today, but I'm going to go ahead and give you all three so you can kind of, you know, be preppers if you want. And these three things are going to help you to evaluate your experience. They're going to help you to turn your know better into do better, and they're going to help you leverage the time that you do have. And so in order to start over and get it right the second time, we need to do three things. The first thing is we need to own it. The second thing is we need to rethink it. And then the third thing is we need to release it. So we need to own it, we need to rethink it, and we need to release it. Now, I stole this list from somebody, and I worked very hard at that. So if we could all just say them three together and just kind of indulge me, if you will. So first thing is we need to own it. Okay, that was a cue for you guys all to open your mouths and speak. So let's try this again. We're going to own it, rethink it, and release it. So today we're going to talk about owning it. And one reason that history tends to repeat itself for you and for me is that we don't own our part of the history. Because usually we just jump from one situation to the next and we never pause long enough to evaluate our experience. You know, we never stop back and go, okay, what just happened? What do I need to learn from this? You know, we don't, we don't pray about it. We don't sit down and talk with people about it. And in some cases, get counseling. We need to do that before we move on to that next opportunity. And so when we don't pause long enough to evaluate our experience, what tends to happen is that your negative past, your negative history, it just creeps right along into your future. And it's there waiting for you because you haven't dealt with it. And the reason why you don't own it is, let's just be honest, there's nothing to own, right? I mean, there's nothing to own because it wasn't your fault. It was your partner who stole the company, not you. You know, it, it was your, your husband who fell in love with that bottle. You know, he didn't tell you about his habit he had on the internet. Or, you know, she didn't, she didn't tell me that she had a prescription drug problem when we got married. Or, you know, it was your boyfriend who dumped you because he found someone cute or whatever the case was. Or the teacher wasn't fair. The teacher wasn't fair. That's why I failed that class. Everybody else passed, but that teacher was not fair to you. Or, I didn't know the economy was going to turn. It's not my fault. It's not my fault that these things happened. It's not my fault that that failed. It's somebody else's fault. But the thing is, is if something important has to end and then you're going to start it over, if you really want to get it right, you have to look back in order to move ahead. Now, 
When you look back, you're just not going to look back and lament over it. You're not looking back going, yeah, that really sucked. You need to look back and own your part and your role in whatever it was that ceased to be. Now, this is difficult because, let's face it, it's a better story when you don't have to own your part, right? The story sounds a lot better when it's, oh, they did to me what he said, what she said. Look, look what, what happened to me versus, well, I kind of screwed up. I didn't do this part or I didn't do that part. And maybe it wasn't all you and most of the times it never is. But when we don't own it, it just follows us. But when we do own it, the story is not as good to tell. So your best bet for a successful future is to own your share of the past. And again, I know this is difficult. But here's why it's so difficult. Because we, as the human race, are natural-born blamers, right? We blame other people for everything. Um, I mean, if you have kids, you know this, right? You have to teach your kids how to tie their shoes. You know, like my son, I have to teach him to put underwear on. I don't know why. This kid can't figure out that he needs to wear underwear every day. But every day I have to ask him, do you have underwear on? One day my wife confronted him. She's like, why don't you put underwear on? And he's like, Underwear for special occasions, mom. All right, well, listen. Every day is a special occasion for the rest of your life, okay? You put them on, all right? You put them on. This is what you do. Which has also taught me that women are smarter than men. I have a boy, and I have, I have two boys and a girl, and I've learned the female species, they're smarter. I never have to tell my daughter to put on underwear. She gets it. These guys, not so much. So you have to teach them how to tie their shoes. You have to teach them to do all kinds of things. But you never have to teach your kids to blame their siblings, right? Like our house, if you were here last week, you know, our house is in shambles, right? We, our, my five-year-old that doesn't wear underwear flooded our house. And our house is in shambles. And so I'm desperately trying to find some peace anywhere. And it, just any corner of our house, it's like, you know, look, this is clean, you know. And I'll get a room clean, and then I'll be upstairs doing laundry or something, because, you know, as I revealed last week, I'm the woman in the relationship, and so I like to do those kinds of things. And I come downstairs, and, and I see this room, and it's like, it looked like someone burglarized our house, and we're eating popcorn while they were doing it. And you're just like, oh, you got that over there. <laughs> you know, they're just ransacking our house, and there's just popcorn everywhere. I'm like, so I'm like, what happened? And all of them said, my bad. No. They're like, it was him, it was her, you know. So we don't have to teach people how to blame each other. It comes naturally. In fact, we're going to look at a story in the Bible where all of this started. In fact, it's the most tragic starting over story of all time because it affected the human race forever afterwards. And what I'm talking about is the story of Adam and Eve. Now, before we jump into the story of Adam and Eve, I just kind of want to throw a couple things out there. I know that some people here, when they look at the Old Testament or they look at the story of creation or Adam and Eve, they think, oh, that's just, you know, that's just classical literature. It's not history. That didn't really happen. You know, two people didn't run around naked and some snake was talking to them and they ate an apple and now they're wearing fig leaves. Like, that's just some kind of classic literature that we use to try to explain things. I get that. And so if you're here and you grew up Sunday school and you believed all that stuff and then you went off to college and your English lit professor just kind of destroyed your concept of, of Adam and Eve and, and now you're like, well, I can't think that way because all these people lied to me. I mean, I get that if that's where you're at. But even in classic literature or folklore, there's still a lot of wisdom that you can pull from that. In fact, I, I read Aesop's fables with my kids 
and half the time I don't even understand them, but I'll read them anyways. And every now and then there's one that just really stands out to me. You're like, yeah, that's pretty wise. Because it really reveals the true nature of humanity. And so even if you don't believe that Adam and Eve really existed and really ran around naked in the garden, you can at least appreciate that there is a lot of wisdom in this ancient, 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 ancient book. And and, and that there is some truth revealed about human nature in this story. Now, for me personally, I believe it. And the reason why I believe it isn't because it's in the Bible. The reason why I believe it is because Jesus believed it. And, you know, I kind of go with, you know, whoever can predict their death and resurrection and then make it happen, I'm pretty much going to go with whatever they say. All right? I'm not going to question it. You believe in Adam and Eve? I'm with you. All right? And so that's kind of where I'm at as a follower of Christ. Because Jesus believed the story, I believe the story. Even though it may even sound ridiculous, I'm just going to go with Jesus on this one. So here in Genesis 1, verse 27 through 28, so God's, you know, creating the world. And Moses recounts this. In, so verse 27, he says, so God created human beings in his own image. And that's, there's a lot packed into that. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. There you go. There's your, there's your, there's your job list. There's your task list right there. Be fruitful, increase in number. And then, of course, Adam pipes up and says, but God, what about the Ten Commandments? God says, no, 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 no. That comes hundreds of years later. Just, just be naked, make babies, have fun. All right? That, that's not really what Adam said. But if you think about it, when God set this whole thing up, his first interaction with man, he could have it the way he wanted, right? He was the one creating it. There weren't ten commandments. There weren't 600 pharisaical laws. There was just one rule, which even seems pointless. It's like, why did you have to have that rule? Why, why even bother with that rule? It's kind of trivial, right? Eat anything you want, but don't eat from that one tree over there. So be naked, have babies, have fun, whatever. Just don't eat from that tree. You can have anything else you want, just not from that one tree. And so even when God has it his way, there's only one rule, which is kind of comforting. But then the one rule doesn't even make sense. It's like, so is it just there because you want to establish yourself as the boss? You know, it's like, okay, all right, whatever. You're God. But let's be honest. When you were a kid, before you had any life experience, because we always think of Adam and Eve as adults, right? But they were like, poof, adults. They didn't have like that childhood experience of reflecting upon it, going, yeah, I remember when I did that dumb thing. You know, I'm not going to do that again. So they're these full adults with like a childlike life experience, and so as a child, when your parents told you not to look into something, what would you do? Admit it. Come on. You looked at it, right? So if your mom and dad say, all right, we're going away. It's Christmas time. Whatever you do, stay out of that closet. You're like, boop, 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 And you're going to do everything you can to get it. And you're not going to just like blatantly go, I don't care what they say. I'm going to the closet. You're going to try to be coy about it, right? You're going to try to trick your younger sibling to go into the closet. I need some toilet paper. It's upstairs in the closet in mom's room. Combinations 2525, unlock it. You know, so you, you're trying to set someone else up. Or I remember as a kid, I remember you had to like bump in the things to try to get it open. Oh, you know, you'd fall into it. Oh, look, the door popped open. What's in here? Right? So when you're told not to do one thing, you naturally want to do that one thing. Because there's just a, something inside of us that's just stupid. And we just do it anyway. We have to know. We have to see. And so, of course, Adam and Eve, they go sideways. They go and they eat the fruit. And, and, and what happens here is when Adam and Eve broke that one rule, that one thou shalt not, what Christians believe 
and what even Jews believe as far as the creation story is this is when sin entered the world and made a mess of everything. And maybe you don't believe in sin, right? But the truth is, is it's still there. You're still a sinner. And here's why I know that. Whether you like the word sin or not, is you don't even live up to your own rules, right? So if you don't believe in sin, you still have your rules of life. You know, thou shalt go to the gym three days a week. Thou shalt eat better food. Thou shalt do all these things. But you don't even live up to your own standards. And so you know you're messed up. You know you break your own rules. You don't need the Bible to tell you you're messed up. You already know it. I know it. Not about you, but about me. So we know that this world is kind of wrecked. And so for us as, as followers of Christ, we believe that this is where it started. That sin entered the world. But the thing is, is if you don't believe in sin, well, you, you don't have anyone to blame. As Christians, at least we do. You know, we, it was Adam and Eve's fault, right? So we get to blame somebody. That was supposed to be like light humor. I didn't deliver it well. I'll, I'll, I'll take that much of it. I'll own my part. How's that? So in Genesis 3.8, it says this. Then the man and his wife, after they, you know, brought this mess into the world, they heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Right? Pretty little scenery. And here's what they did. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, first of all, this is kind of a dumb thing to do, right? How are you going to hide from God in his own garden? Like he's not going to find you, right? He's just going to be walking, where are they? Where are they? Adam? What are you doing under that bush? Right? But here's the reality. When we do something that's stupid, we try to hide it. Like our natural instinct is to try to cover it up, try to hide that habit, try to hide, you know, that thing, our part. We don't like to own our part. We try to hide it. And we're going to hide it as long as possible. But then when we get caught, we'll say, I'm sorry. But the truth is, is the only reason why we even said it is because we were caught. Because it is in our nature to try to hide our part of the failures in life. And so this is what they do. And the interesting thing about this scenario, kind of a side note, is when Adam and Eve wrecked the world, messed it up for all of us, God didn't stand outside the garden and call them out. All right, you two, come on out. I know you guys screwed things up. Let's go. Let's come on out here. Let's, let's, let's face up to what you've done. No, instead, he goes looking for them. Isn't that interesting? When they've done the worst thing they could possibly do, God goes looking for them. And I think some of you may need to hear that. That even in the midst of the worst thing that you have possibly done or are doing or about to do, God will come looking for you as well. Personally, I take comfort in that. So here it goes on. It says, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he, meaning Adam, answered, "Uh, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. So God responds. He says, uh, who told you? Because he knows there was a who involved. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And Adam stands up. He says, you know what? Yes, I did. And I take full responsibility for my actions. Do with me as you will, but leave Eve out of this because she's innocent. Now, for those of you who are not laughing and you wonder why everybody else is laughing, okay, they grew up in Sunday school. You didn't. That's okay. It's all good. We're all, we're all welcome here. That's what he should have said. 
That's what he should have said, right? He, he, man, he'd be like hailed as the wisest man in the world if he'd ever said that, but he didn't. Because what we see then in the very first time that humanity messes up, people decided to blame someone else. Now, I used a really cheesy joke last service, and it didn't go over well, so I'm not going to use it this time. But if you really want to know, and like, now it's going to like, you're going to obsess over it, you can come ask me later. So the very first thing they did was to blame someone. Here is what Adam said. The man says, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. The implication here is, God, this is your fault, and it's her fault. You two go over there, you work it all out, you come back and apologize to me, and I'll forgive you, God. Because after all, this is your doing. Okay, I didn't decide to put her here. I'm not the one who created her. You're the one that put her here, and she's the one that made this mess. So you two figure it out, get back to me, and we'll move on, right? But here's the sad thing. Everything that Adam says is actually true. It's just not the whole story. And that's what we do, right? Because when we're hiding and we're not owning our part, we tell the the truth. We just don't tell all of it. We tell the part that plays us as the favorable character. We do the same thing. We tend to leave out the other 10%. Well, God, you know, he's going to deal with Adam later. He says, so he turns and he says to the Lord God, he said to the woman, right? The only time you can say that in in church without getting a shoe thrown at you, um, I'll say that to my wife every now and then. Woman, you know, she'll give me that look like <laughs> you are playing with death right now. Um, I, I'll do this just for fun sometimes, just for sport. Like we'll be at a, at a place we'll have friends over. And I, I kid you not, I could say to my wife, I could call her name like a hundred times. Like I could even be screaming. I'd be like, Audrey, Audrey, Audrey. She won't hear anything. So finally I'll, I'll have like a, you know, a buddy next to me. I'll look, I'm like, dude, watch this. Woman. <laughs> You out of your mind, you know. And it works every time. Of course, I get beat up for it, but it works. I get her attention that way. So anyhow, God looks, sorry about that tangent again. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent. One of your creations, by the way. The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So again, blame, blame, blame. It wasn't me, it was them. Yeah, I had a part, but it wasn't my fault. It was because they, it was because you, it was because that. They didn't own their part. And the truth is this, you can blame your way into the future, but you can't blame your way into a better future. Because when you blame, blame enables us to smuggle our issues into the future, right? You're able to hide that habit that was destructive in your relationship. It didn't get exposed because after all, She did this or he did that. But when you move into the next relationship and you think you've detached, you think you've been freed from that experience and you're going to start new, right, start over. But what you don't realize is hitched right to your side is that past, that habit, those instincts, your tendencies that you've yet to own, they just follow you right into that next relationship, that next business venture, that next whatever. It's right there with you. And this is why blame sets us up for a repeat performance. Because we've yet to really learn from our experience. Because we've yet to own our part. And see, when you own your part of the past, it drops the emotional temperature. See, when you start owning the things that you contributed or that you allowed to happen in that 
relationship or in that job situation, all the, 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 the animosity, the anger, and, and the bitterness that's just been sitting there and festering in your heart, it tends to just kind of slough off you, right? Kind of like we wish fat would do sometimes, just kind of fall off. I wish you would just walk out in the heat and it would just, you know, just come right off of me. But that anger and that bitterness, that stuff just kind of goes away when you start owning your part of the story. Because when that temperature comes down, you start having clarity. And clarity is what you really need in order to move forward and be successful in the future. Because if you can't clearly see what happened and what your part was, you're just going to find yourself right in the same situation again. I love the way Jesus puts it in Matthew 5, 8. You know, it's a very short verse in this big sermon he gives. And he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You see, so right away in that we see that there, there is a connection between purity and clarity. There's a relationship there. That as our heart gets cleaner and cleaner, our ability to see becomes clearer and clearer. And so when we own our part, we clean our hearts. And when we clean our hearts, the temperature goes down. And when the temperature goes down, we see clearly. Which results in better decisions. And ultimately, that's what you want, right? You want to make better decisions about your future because you don't want to repeat the past. So if you want to see all of yourself make it into the future and in a healthy way and start over again, you've got to come out of hiding. And you've got to just own what your part is. It's painful and it can be shameful, but it is beneficial. And there's a lot of things in life like that, right? Like I, I heard Jim Burns say once, and I don't know if it's his original saying, but I'll give him credit for it. But he said, look, life is full of two options. You either have the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. The question is, which one do you really want? And if I'm being honest, I kind of vacillate between the two. It's like, oh, the pain of discipline is so hard, but oh, I'll just take the pain of regret. But then you go, oh, this was stupid, and you want to go back over here. But the reason why you keep cycling is because I'm not learning or valuing I'm experiencing, hey, what do I need to do differently? What's my part? What have I owned? So your homework that you won't do unless you do it today, all right, you need to do it today. When you leave, you need to go home and sit down and do this because otherwise you're going to wake up the next day and you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that was a cute little sermon, whatever, I'm done, I'm you know, moving on with my week. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to draw a circle. Get out a piece of paper, draw a circle, and what that circle represents is the sphere of blame, all right? So that failed relationship, that bombed, you know, college experience, that, that cycle of relationship failures, you know, that broken marriage, whatever, finances, whatever. I want you to, to color in what part is yours. Some, some of you, you may say right off the bat, you know what? It was half them and half me. Like, that's very noble. But let's just be honest, nobody's going to say that, right? None of you are going to go home and say, yep, 50% is me, all right? We don't do that. And even those who are altruistic may even say this. Like, I, when I've sat and, and counseled with people and, and, and you hear their story and you're trying to help work out conflict resolution, I don't even see this, right? I don't even see 25% me, 75% them, okay? This is what it normally looks like, all right? When I ask people to draw their piece of the pie, it's usually that, because here's all that they did to me, right? Here's all the things that they took from me. Here's, here's all the pain that I went through. Here's all the, the shame that I endured because of them. And yeah, yeah, I have my part, but that's all of them. And the problem is you're so obsessed about what other people did to you that made your situation fail that you don't see your part. And so you're obsessed, and you're obsessed, and you're focusing on it. And the truth is, is it hasn't helped you. 
because you're still angry about it, right? You're not getting any better. You're stuck. You know, I, I've had people once, I remember there were some things that had happened and there was some damage that, that happened to somebody. And I was talking to the person, I said, you know what? I know you don't want to hear this right now, but at some point you're going to have to forgive that person. Oh, I can never forgive that person. No way, not after what they did. I'm like, you know, that sounds noble, makes you sound strong, makes you feel strong, but here's what you're really saying. I'm going to slowly sip on this poison until it makes me so sick that I just die inside. I said, is that what you really want to do? Because that's essentially what you're doing when you obsess about what all they did and you don't own your part. It's not making what they did good. It's not making what they did okay. It's not making you the more responsible party. It's just releasing you from your past. Because in order to make peace with your past, you have to own your piece of the past. Okay? You cannot move forward until you do this. So what's in that piece of yours, right? What's in that little sliver? Because let's be honest, that's what you're going to draw, a little sliver. What's in your sliver? And again, it's, it may seem subtle, but as you start opening up and, and looking into what your part was, it may become very emotional. It may become embarrassing. You know, I, as I've sat and, 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 and met with people and counseled people and listened to their stories, here's some of the things that I've heard. Here's some of the things that I've said. I had a feeling something wasn't right, but I was afraid to dig around, afraid of what I'd find. Or, people I trusted warned me, but I wouldn't listen. Girls had your heart broke. Mama told you that boy is bad. You said, no, 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 mom, this is real love. And then it went bad. You ignored people that you should have trusted. Or, how about this? I stayed too long. I stayed too long in that partnership. I stayed too long in that relationship, and I enabled them. They still did all that awful stuff, but I stayed too long, and I enabled them to keep doing it. Or I was greedy. I just had to have it. I was greedy. Or I was lonely. Everything on paper said, this is stupid, this is stupid, this is stupid. There's no way that's going to work out. But I was just lonely. Own your part. Or I was jealous. I was jealous of them. I was jealous of my brother. I was jealous of my friends. You know, they have all this stuff. They're driving this stuff. They've moved on in life. They've got all these things. They've got the 2.1 kids and, the, you know, the, the Honda Odyssey. And they've got everything that you're supposed to have to have a successful family. And so I just had to have it too. Of course, it wrecked me financially and I went into bankruptcy. But I just had to have it. I was jealous. Or lust got the best of me. You know, I, I thought I was justified because of what wasn't happening here. And this just felt so right. Lust just got the best of me. Or I didn't do my best. I got fired. Or I, I failed that class. And it wasn't because he was such a terrible boss. And it wasn't because they were such an unfair professor. It's because if I'm being honest, I didn't do my best. I had the wrong attitude. And I chose to give half of what I could have. Or I should have confronted him or them, but I was afraid. And now this. Or I should have left. I should not have stayed there. I should have left. But I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed. I cared too much about what they were going to think. And so I stayed. And it was the dumbest thing I ever did. 
They did all that other stuff, but I should have left. Or I kept telling myself, I can handle this. I got this. Don't worry about it. I'm in control. I can quit whenever I want. But the truth was, is it was handling me. You got to do this. You've got to write it down. You've got to own your part. And again, it may be embarrassing. It may be painful. But it is so, so beneficial. And this is going to help bring clarity to you so that you can move forward in life and not repeat the same mistakes. So that you're going to have a better next time than last time. Because again, your best bet for a successful future is to own your share of the past. And the best way to leave it behind is just to own it. Just own it. Because when you own it, it can no longer own you. And so next time can be better than last time. But not just because you want it to be, but because you plan for it to be. And part of planning for it to be better is owning your past. That's the first step of the three that we're going to talk about. So own it so that it won't own you, so that it won't follow you into the future. And so next week we're going to talk about rethinking it. And we're going to talk about three, well, three lethal thoughts that can poison our minds. So make sure you guys are back here next week to finish up the series. We have one more after that. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you so much for a church where we can just be real and honest and, and talk about this stuff. And though, even though it's painful and it's embarrassing, but more than ever, God, just please give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we've just heard. Lord, give us the courage to just face our part in this, to own it, Lord, to allow the emotions to come and just to release that stuff to you. Holy Spirit, would you recall to our minds the things that we've been ignoring or trying to forget that really was our part? And then, God, I ask that you would give us the courage to do what we need to do with that information. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you guys have any prayer needs up here or you want to get the owning it part off your own chest, come on up here. We're going to have our, our ministry team. Uh, otherwise, please go home to that homework. It will benefit you, I promise. And we'll see you next week. Have a great week.